Gabriel has one show you can go to this week. Saturday, September 10th in Vancouver, Washington. Yeah, I'm not going either. I'm also not going to Tualatin, Oregon, September 14th. Bremerton, Washington, September 15th. Or Blaine, Washington, September 17th. But you do you. For all of Gabriel's show dates and ticket links go to gabrielrutledge.com. Or don't. If you would like every episode of this podcast delivered to your email inbox, click on the Substack link in the episode notes. If you would like to give Gabriel some gas money, you also have the option to subscribe for $5 a month. And now it's time for the drive home with Gabriel Rutledge. Play the royalty-free hip-hop music. Now here's your host, Gabriel. First of all, I think it's important that I acknowledge that uh, right now I am what science refers to as drunk. I mean, not like stumble down the street drunk, but like definitely should not drive drunk. So, not sure what that means about what's coming. Just thought I should be honest. I'm in New York City. I'm at the Bell Nord Hotel. By the way, $350 for two nights. That's much more reasonable than I thought I would find a hotel in New York City. Uh, I think it's what's called a boutique hotel, which means tiny and weird. It's small. It's very small. But like, even in the hallway, I'm like, do I fit in this hallway? Uh, but it's nice. It's clean. I'm very intimidated by New York. I have to admit that. You know, I'm a touring professional comedian. I go to a lot of cities, whatever. I go to Chicago, uh, what are L.A. a few times. Lots of cities. You guys know how cities work. But there's something specifically about New York City that really reminds me of what a white trash rube I am. It really makes me feel like an imposter. Like I did, I look at people who live in New York City like you would look at a ant farm and you go how how do they all know where to go that's how i look at like the subway and like things like that how do you all know what to do how do you all you know except an ant farm doesn't yell at you new york's like get the fuck out of the way i walk slow where i live christy my wife is always making fun of me for walking slow in my defense i'm mostly torso with tiny legs but New York, I got to pick up my pace or I'll get run over. It's just one of those cities and like everywhere you go was like, oh, I saw that in a movie or I've heard that referenced or, you know, I'm staying in the Upper West Side right now. And it's like there's just no other place like New York City. And I have thoughts when I'm walking around New York like I was potty trained in an outhouse. Which is true, because, you know, we lived out in the woods. I had hippie parents. They became religious later, but I had hippie parents. We didn't even have electricity in the house I was born. We, we didn't have plumbing, I don't think, or at least a bathroom. I was potty trained in an outhouse. So I'm walking around New York City trying to get myself hyped up to perform at the Comedy Cellar. Like, yeah, I belong here. I've been doing comedy 21 years. I know what the fuck I'm doing. I belong here. And then I'm also like, I was potty trained in an outhouse. 
this hotel is so small that uh, I was get, I was getting myself hyped up before my show tonight, and I like out loud said to myself before I left, before I left, before I opened the door to my hotel room, room two eighteen. I said out loud to myself, this is a little peek into my uh, motivation. I said out loud to myself, all right, let's go, you fucking pussy. That's what I said to myself to get ready for my show at the Comedy Cellar. I opened the door. There's another guy right across the hall who was standing out in front of his door. There's no way he did not hear me go, let's go, you fucking pussy, and then open the door. So that was a little embarrassing. Bop, bop, ba da da. I had two Jamesons on the rocks, and now I'm a couple of uh, Michelob Ultras in. Those two Jamesons on the rocks, by the way, uh, about $38. Bop, bop, ba da da. So uh, I did my show at the Comedy Cellar tonight. It was my audition. I've, I've talked about this before. I feel like I skipped a, I, I skipped a million steps. I just, SD, the booker of the Comedy Cellar in New York, I sent her an email. Someone gave me the email address. I sent it to her saying I would like to work Vegas. She said, I work locals or people who I have passed at the Comedy Cellar. I would love to see you in New York City. I thought your clip was funny. So what happened? I got here. I feel like I missed a million steps to do this. Uh, I get to the Comedy Cellar. About 90 minutes early. <laughs> it's it's hard to describe because it's like... If you are a comedian... This is some inside comedy shit. But if you are a comedian, there's there's a lore. There's a... There's a... Uh, there's a history and a, a specialness to the comedy cellar. There's like... There's what's referred to as the table which is a table uh, at the top of the stairs. How the Comedy Cellar is, is there's, there's a restaurant upstairs called the Olive Tree. You walk down these stairs to go to the Comedy Cellar. I don't know anything. I don't know. I've been told I'm going on stage around 9 o'clock. I walk in. By the way, I Googled Esty from the Comedy Cellar to get some images so I would recognize her. I'm like, okay, that's definitely her at the table. Sitting with Colin Quinn, Jim Norton, a few other people. Uh, so I walk over and I'm like, hey, I'm Gabriel. She doesn't know my fucking name. It's all been emailed. She's like, what was, who are you? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on the next show. I'm not sitting at the table. I'm not sitting at the quote, the table, unquote. It's supposed to be like this reserved place for cool people. I'm, I just got here. I'm not doing that. I'm just trying to stay out of the way. Mostly I'm hanging out outside because everywhere everywhere in uh, New York now has this outdoor seating that they put in during the pandemic so they could keep their restaurant open. So I hung out there for a while. Uh, look, it's also it's hard to explain because it's like the comedy cellar is like a huge deal, but it's also like. You know, most of the people working there you've never heard of. I've heard of them because I'm in comedy. But, I mean, they're not household names. It's not like, oh, you get passed at the comedy cellar. You're like, 
the next Chris Rock or whatever. It's not it's not like that, but it's also it is prestigious. I mean, some, sometimes Chris Rock is there. Sometimes that's part of the lore of the comedy cellar is like you could see Kevin Hart. You could see Jerry Seinfeld. You could see Ray Romano. But that's, you know, a lot of the people there are successful, not famous. Um, you know, I'm seeing people that maybe you, the listener, don't know, but I'm like, oh, there's Dan Natterman. There's, you know, Ryan Hamilton, who I know. I met him before. I talked to him for a while. That relaxed me a little bit, knowing someone. I saw Mia Jackson, who I was in the Laughing School comedy competition in with. And, uh, you know, that kind of relaxed me a little bit. This is another thing that relaxed me, is I saw, I went down to go to the bathroom uh, it wasn't my show yet. It was the show before my show. And I saw the crowd. It's like this packed room. Every show sells out, maybe 150 people. They're packed in there. And I saw that crowd, and I immediately relaxed a little bit. Because it's a comedy show in a comedy club that sold out. Why would that be bad? Not only that, they all have to put their phones in these little bags. There's no no one's on their cell phones during the show. That relaxed me. Like, oh, it's a full comedy club? I've been doing comedy 21 years. I know what the fuck I'm doing. That relaxed me. Seeing a couple people I knew relaxed me. A little bit. I was still hyped. I was so hyped that when I went on stage, my... <laughs> My left hand was shaking a little bit. I was holding the mic with two hands much more than I normally do because my left hand was shaking. Not because I was, like, scared, but just so hyped. Like, so much adrenaline shooting through my body. I thought and overthought my set. I did the same thing last time I was in New York City, which was 2009. I've done two shows in New York City ever. I did a show at Gotham Comedy Club for Live at Gotham on Comedy Central, and now I've done the Comedy Cellar. Um, but I did the same thing when I did Comedy Central. Like I remember at the time I had a joke that mentioned Walgreens, and I'm like, does New York have Walgreens? Are they going to get this joke? It makes you think things like that. I did a joke tonight about Coinstar, if you're familiar with my act. And I'm like, wait, is it the same? Do they... They have Coinstar like everywhere else has Coinstar in New York City. Like, I'm overthinking. I'm like, do I want to do this particular joke in front of the booker? Is this joke too dumb? This is a sex joke. She probably hears a lot of sex jokes. I do. I should do something smarter. I'm overthinking. I'm up my own asshole. And then I just was like, forget it. Just do five minutes. You'll be fine. This is another thing that relaxed me is uh, two people before I went up, another guy was auditioning. And he, he didn't do that well. That relaxed me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he's having a rough set in front of this hot room. I'm going to be fine. I followed Aaron Jackson, who uh, was very funny. Not probably a household name, but very funny. Ton of TV credits. And uh, I really, I was debating, I was going to do, I was going to open with the line, I did open with the line, uh, I've never heard of you either, to the crowd, and I almost talked myself out of it, because I almost thought, like, just act like you've been here before, don't we, but I'm really glad I did it, because it did very well, I had a great set, 
I was supposed to do five minutes. I probably did five and a half. Uh, it went away. I killed. What else can I say? I did very well. Shaky hand and all. I did very well. I got off the stage. Esty had watched me. She walked me up. By the way, this is all secret shit. I've said this before. If you listen to this podcast, it's secret shit. This is not public knowledge. Uh, she... I passed. I don't know what else to say. I'm passed at the comedy cellar. I'm supposed to uh, (laughs) let her know when I'm available to do sets, which who fucking knows when that is. I live in Olympia, Washington. The last show I did before this was a backyard in Mount Vernon, Washington. I don't – I'm going to have to find reasons to get here. Uh, And I I don't know how that's going to happen. I also think I might be able to work – the comedy seller in Vegas now, which would be great. But uh, I'm trying not to worry about all that. I'm trying to just enjoy the. I no matter what happens, I'm passed at the comedy seller, whether I know I do another show here the rest of my life or not. I heard this phrase twice this week. You can't get attached to the outcome. I heard two people say that this week. One of them, by the way, on Twitter, podcast listener Megan, you were one of them. Uh, and I, I was, I've been thinking about that since I got passed at the Comedy Cellar 90 minutes ago and started drinking. There's a lot of ways to take that. I'm not – I already had a good outcome, but what I'm saying is that doesn't mean, oh, this happened, so this is going to happen, this is going to happen. I don't know the outcome from this outcome, and that's okay. It doesn't – look, I don't know what this means. I don't know. I don't. Uh, there, I, it's hard to think of a scenario where oh, I'm at the comedy cellar all the time in New York City. I don't know how I would do that. It does pay, you know, uh, not that much. It's like seventy-five bucks a set. But I, they don't give you a hotel room. It's for people who live here. I don't live here. I don't know how I'm going to make this happen. I don't know what it means. But that's okay. I don't. <laughs> for tonight, that's okay. I've been alive long enough and doing comedy long enough that you just have to take the win. You have to go, I don't know what this means. I don't know if it's going to change my life. But tonight, I had a good set at the Comedy Cellar in New York City. The booker for the Comedy Cellar told me it was one of the best auditions she's ever seen. I'm only telling you that because I'm drunk. And again, don't tell anyone else I said that. But... I don't – maybe it means nothing, but that's okay. I'm not attached to the outcome. Uh, I'm just excited it happened, you know? I've done other things. I've won major competitions in my life, and some stuff happened from it, but most of it's not game-changing. Most of it's not like, and then everything changed. It's just, you know – a little step in the right direction. I don't I don't really have a life where I can go fuck around in New York City for a week. Because my family relies on me to make money doing comedy. So I don't know. I have to find a way to get here sometimes, I think. You can't get passed at the comedy cellar and then be like, I'm never going there again. But uh, in fact, you know. Even Esty was like, do you live in L.A.? I was like, Seattle. She's like, really? (laughs) 
No, really, I live in Olympia, Washington, but I'm pretending Seattle. No one tell her I worked a backyard in Mount Vernon. And by the way, I'm not, you know, if you like me, if you're a fan of me, if you know me, you're like, you're hilarious. What are you talking about? Of course you belong past at the Comedy Cellar. Like, I know that on a certain level. Look, some of the people who work at the Comedy Cellar all the time wish they had the schedule I have. They wish they worked the clubs I have. You know, I understand that. It's not... That's how comedy is. Like, whatever, pick a club. I I headline Brad Garrett's Comedy Club in Las Vegas. There's people who've been passed at the Comedy Cellar for years who are miles away from that happening because they don't really go on the road. They just do New York stuff. That's fine. I was fine with my comedy career before I got here. But it's not that I feel like I don't deserve to be in the conversation of people who should be at the Comedy Cellar. It's just I never thought it would happen. So uh, tonight we celebrate. Look, if you've read my book, you know, I kind of, or even this podcast, sometimes I talk about the bad stuff. Sometimes I talk about the struggle. I talk about shitty shows. I talk about, I talk about how hard it is to be away from my family. I talk about, um, I talk about the struggle. So in a weird way, I owe you this. Tonight is not about struggle. Uh, Tonight is about saying we fucking did it. Me and you, the podcast listeners, we had a win tonight. We had a fucking win. It's not about what's going to happen. I'm not attached to the outcome. I'm 48. What am I going to get famous at 50? I just, it's cool it happened. And I appreciate, even though I don't, you know, I know some of you, but I appreciate you being here for me to share it with. Look, of course, I texted my wife. I texted a few people. But, you know, comedy is a, uh, it's done in front of people, but it's kind of a lonely life as far as like when something incredible happens or you, not even incredible, but just you have a good night, you have a good show. Then, you know, you're back in the hotel room by yourself. And then your wife texts you something shitty your kids are doing and you're back, right back into life. So I am uh, I am sharing with you. Okay? This podcast usually comes out in the morning, so don't have a drink with me. But I am sharing the good news with you. I don't know what it means for my life. Probably nothing. But for one night, uh, your boy Gabriel had a good set in New York City at the Comedy Cellar. And uh, who knows what happens in the future. But who cares? In some ways, right? Who cares? It's like if you're having amazing sex, do you have the thought during the sex, I hope I get to do this again? (laughs) Actually, yeah, I do. I do have that thought. I think this is great. We should do this all the time. And then when it's over, I'm like, whew, that was a lot of hullabaloo. Let's take a few days off. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
Uh, thank you for listening to my intoxicated ramblings. I get really nice comments from people all the time, and I appreciate it. This is a man. What a fucking blessed life I've had. Uh, you know, and I—not that it's not hard, but like life is hard. I get. This is a blessed life, and uh, thank you guys for sharing it with me. I love you. Tip your waitress. Good night. I've never heard of you either. Let's not make a big deal about it. <laughs> this is what I look like. Take it in! You can tell a lot about yourself by the questions people ask you all the time, which is why I know I look like a guy who has a lighter. <laughs> I, don't, I do not have... Oh, people get so mad. They're like, why walk around like that if you're not going to have the proper equipment? Is it your first day undercover, asshole? Which is my vibe, first day undercover. Like, like I bought a wig, I'm like, you kids blaze up doobies? I got recognized recently as a comedian, which is usually fun, but I happened to be at a location I did not want to be recognized uh, because I was using the Coinstar machine at the time. Are we familiar with the Coinstar? Where you cash in your change? Hey, that's not usually a good day. If you see a friend using the Coinstar machine, they're going through some shit right now. They don't want to chat. How's comedy going? How the fuck do you think it's going? It's always in the front, too. Every store, the very front, so everyone there knows, hey, look, it's someone's financial rock-bottom day. Gather around, kids. Look at this poor son of a bitch. Holding a Ziploc bag of nickels. Look at him. Wonder what dream he had died. Look at him! Coinstar should be in the back behind a beaded curtain for my privacy. It's not. It's in the front next to the lotto ticket. They've done their research. That's a loud-ass machine, too. You can't sneak in a Coinstar trip. That's metal on metal, coin-hitting steel. Ting, 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 ting. Just a poverty soundtrack for the whole store. I'm like, I'm waiting on a check. I'm going to be fine. Ting, ting. I got Canadian quarters and Chuck E. Cheese tokens. Alright, this is going to be less than I thought. Everyone's like, have you invested in cryptocurrency? I'm not quite there yet. I did recently put some money in Coinstar. Unfortunately, I instantly lost 10%. That's their cut. It could be more. Coinstar has the audacity to ask you if you would like to donate an additional percentage to charity. Read the room, Coinstar.
I have uh, I have been with my wife since we were both 19 years old. Thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna call her after the show and be like, tonight they gave a shit. We did it. I wish we were high school sweethearts. We didn't make it. No, we're community college sweethearts. It worked. It's less adorable. Community college sweetheart sounds like we were already used to not getting our first choice. I, ha I had girlfriends in high school, by the way. I don't know what the fuck you guys heard. But let's put a stop to those rumors right now. I did very well in my church youth group. I didn't come here to dry hump and tell, but I did fine. I feel like some of you are judging dry humping. How dare you? The safest of all the sexes. Latex has nothing on denim, I assure you. That's why every time I see a kid named Levi, I'm like... <laughs> Guess what got through? <laughs> you don't go back to dry humping. No adult relationship is ever going to be like, you know what, I was thinking, hear me out. Tonight, just for old time's sake, let's put on our thickest jeans and shake it up. Let's go till it burns. It'll be fun. I don't even know what base you consider dry humping on the baseball sex scale. Is that second base? Is it third base? I do know if you have an orgasm while you're dry humping, it's called an inside the park home run. I do know that. Have a great night, you guys. I appreciate it. Gabriel's first time here, you guys. Yeah. Funny as shit.